Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of uh, ITSP Magazine's podcast, uh, Redefining Society, which is with me, Marco Cipelli. And as you know, in this uh, particular show, we dig deep into what's happening in our humanity, in our societies, and uh, all of that, how it's affected uh, by technology. So that's an easy conversation. We can pretty much talk about any, any topic, as you know, and I, and I like that. I like to talk about education. I like to talk about smart cities, cars, IoT, you name it. But lately, and I was joking with, uh, with my guest here uh, that I'm going to introduce in a, in a, few, in a few seconds, um, one out of three conversation is probably around uh, generative AI, chat GPT, DALI, and uh, copyrights and you know whatever good and bad is doing in our society so this one i'm excited because when the the opportunity was presented to me um i have been in the web development and marketing uh, before uh, itsp magazine and uh and branding and search engine always been you know a big part of advertising and marketing and communication and and of course research and academic and you know, you don't always find the results that, that you want. It's it's kind of like you, you throw, you toss a coin and you see, you see what's come back at you. And it's been frustrating. So um, I think AI is helping with that. Probably is going to help even more. But there is a, a, actually a, a new search engine that is specialized into, uh, into more like paper research and, and academic documents from what I'm understanding. And so uh, I was curious. To learn about this and i don't think i can have a better person to talk about it than one of the founder eric olson uh welcome to the show yeah thank you so much for having me marco uh, yeah happy to be here and talk about uh all things search ai and how it can impact us in the world absolutely i i like to talk about past present and future so that's kind of like our script but the first thing let's talk about your past and your present so who is eric and uh, how did you 
come up with the with this mission to change the search engine uh, business? Yeah. Uh, so from the Boston area originally, I come from a family of uh, engineers and teachers and researchers. Uh, I was the, the jock in a family of a bunch of academics. And I went to school out in Chicago at Northwestern where I played football. Uh, it's actually where I met my co-founder, uh, Christian Salem, who, funny enough, has a very similar background to me, that he is the only member of his family who does not have or is not currently pursuing his PhD. Uh, and we kind of bonded over that fact that we were these uh, closet nerd jocks uh, who loved and appreciated science and research and technology and loved to talk about those type of things. And we, yeah, it was around the time I was graduating and I believe it was really the, f the first time I'd seen, you know, Google featured snippets when they, when you type in a question and it's able to pull you out a, a particular sentence from the document that effectively answers your question. I think it was around then I saw that technology and basically had the idea of, man, if that is possible, like couldn't theoretically we be able to do that over really rigorous source material. And when we have all these questions and debates that could be best served, answered by empirical research, what if we could use technology to scan that research and analyze that research for us and give us consumable insights from the best content uh, that exists in the world? And that was my idea like seven or eight years ago. I pitched it to Christian. He thought it was an all right idea. Uh, we both worked in technology and started to gain some of the skills to actually execute on it. I worked in data science. I was working at DraftKings, the sports betting company, for about three to four years after graduation in the data science department. Christian was a product manager at a startup and then in the NFL media department. Uh, and then when COVID happened, uh, two things uh, led us to start to want to work on this. One was that you know misinformation was a thing back when I came up with this idea, but it had become an even bigger problem. And it specifically was a problem around scientific topics in the heart of the in the height of the pandemic. So it was the, this kind of problem statement that we had identified uh, was very much in our faces at all times. And we could clearly see there was some public demand for easy access to, to good, rigorous information. And then the other piece of it uh, was we started to see some of these seminal papers coming out about language models. Uh, and it was Christian who actually brought me the famous attention is all you need paper that was the, the impetus for this transformer architecture that has led to things like ChatGPT. And this was back in 2020 when him and I are talking about it. So, you know, we're not the most language model hipsters, like some people who have been in it for a few years before that, but uh, we can say that we were doing it before it was cool to be doing it and before it became really mainstream. And we basically said, holy crap, uh, this technology is going to change the world. And there's about to be a bunch of startups that are built using this technology that are going to take off and we want to be working on it. And we thought that those two things combined, the problem statement being so present and seeing the technology that could enable it being built, really taking off, uh, led us to start working on it uh, in 2021. And yeah, we quit our jobs in August of 2021 and started working on consensus, which I, know I should have done a better job of introing it at the start. But uh, it is a search engine that is powered by language models that finds insights and answers in scientific research papers. So it allows you, regardless of your expertise level, to come and ask a plain English question. You could say, is fish oil actually good for my heart? And instead of getting back uh, you know, some health and wellness blog written by who knows mm -hmm. what, uh, mm -hmm. It will actually return you studies that have looked to answer that question and then pull out the insights from those studies 
So you can see uh, line by line of what each study has concluded. And then we also will synthesize across the top X papers uh, and get you an answer that is fully grounded in scientific research. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I've been playing quite a bit with uh, with some of the API of uh, ChatGPT. So I, you know, I, I think, uh, and you tell me if I'm wrong or, or not, but it, it's kind of like working on a knowledge base that is not the entire internet or very generic, but actually focus on the, the archive where you do find legit paper, legit academic research and, and, and all of that. Is it kind of like more or less the, the, the vision here? Uh, not exactly. So okay. what, what you're describing would be if we are to be building our own language model, they would mm -hmm. be pre-trained on this. And right. that's already been done. Uh, Galactica famously came out by Meta, which was a ChatGPT-like model that was trained on scientific research papers. And uh, it was really bad. <laughs> it said all sorts of really wonky things. And uh, when you just are pre-training it and then asking it to completely generate the text itself, like you have no way to understand like the, the reasoning, the thought process and checking the work of how it came to these answers. You're just saying, hey, there's all this research mushed into this language model and now it's going to generate me answers. Like that actually isn't that helpful. You really want to be able, especially if you're doing research academically or professionally, like you really need to see the studies that these answers are being pulled from. So what we've done is actually we've aggregated a database of hundreds of millions of research papers. And we're basically using the technology on top of that. So we're using Got language it. model technology to surface papers and then pull out information from papers. So basically the simplest, this is, this is dumbed down, but like we go looking, we use language models to go looking for the answers as opposed to using language models to create the answers. Got it. So the Got example it. that you were talking about would be somebody who'd be trying to like, build a model that can generate you answers from all of this knowledge stuffed into it, as opposed mm -hmm. to having this database of knowledge and going into it and trying to pull it out. Right, 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 right. No, no, and I, I'm glad that you actually, you know, air quotes for people uh, <laughs> listening and not watching, uh, dumb it down, and which is something that, you know, I don't see as a disprejective thing, but I, I, my mission is to understand totally. understand things and i know a lot of people out out there listening they are interested in this and that's why they're listening and try to understand and we don't need to go all geeky uh you know to the, everything to the in this world needs to be done needs to be done needs to be done down for everybody Absolutely. No, matter, no matter how versed you are there are very yeah. few uh, tried and true experts at every single part of the things that we're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I like the idea that you did you that you can use examples for these. And and I guess my question that is probably the one that people are wondering at the time is how, how do you know that what you find is is legit, right? I mean, I, we talk about misinformation. Uh, one of the fear about artificial intelligence, it's actually creating even more misinformation. So it's always that oh, advers yeah. adversarial situation where, yep, there's the good, there's the evil. It's a, ne a never-ending battle. We use technology to solve technology problem and, and, and so forth. So how, how do you know that something is legit? Yeah. That's simple. Yeah. I mean, first, it, it's a problem that is always going to be being worked on and like there isn't just some magic bulb that says oh we do this that means that we now solve misinformation and everything we're going to show you is perfectly factual let's go outside and play. <laughs> exactly uh so it's like always gonna be an ongoing problem there's uh 
Yeah, we've approached it like in a few ways. So, so one simplest one is uh, the only content that we surface is from research papers. So, like we don't index the entire web. We index aggregations of scientific papers. So, like we can't show you editorialized content. Doesn't mean that studies aren't fraudulent. Sometimes studies can't be wrong. Studies can't have faults. So, like, still gets us in a better position, but there still now is all this other stuff to worry about. Next one is kind of what I talked about before, that the way that we've architected it is it is pulling out insights from papers and it's all tied back to the papers themselves. So doesn't mean we can't pull out something from a paper that's a crappy paper, but you have the ability to check that yourself. We're not going to be making up information. We can't be hallucinating in the traditional sense that mm. ChatGPT could, where it's just generating you this text. We're going and looking for the information and pulling it back to you. So that helps us a lot there. And then the last one is... Uh, we do have like quality indicators throughout the product that try to say with some objective standard, like what are the green flags for this particular study? So like what type of design is it? Is this from a really well-designed meta-analysis that's looked across a bunch of studies or is this just an N of one case report? So many more things we can do there, but continuing to add things that are telling you in an objective way, like why you should care about this and why it's potentially higher quality research. It still doesn't solve everything, but there's a lot of things you can do on the individual source level. So given that we found you a study and we pulled something out, we can run language models over that study the same way that a human expert would to assess its reliability. Mm -hmm. Who is it funded by? How big was the sample size? What is the design of the study? Did they do all these things? What journal does it come from? We can use AI to analyze all of those things and spit out metrics that say like, right, here's where it ranks across all of those, meaning you know, this is our confidence in it is probably the right way to say it. It isn't going to say this is 100% true, this is 100% false, but we have ways to assess the quality of it. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So you got an algorithm that is asking the right question that, you know, a human... Yeah, you automate what, if you were yeah. to put the best scientists in the world to uh, yeah. look at a paper and tell you if they thought it represented the truth or not, like you can train language models to take yeah. those same steps. And actually, I, I want to throw this thing at you because I like to, to look at things from a philosophical perspective and then and then maybe we, we dig into more like case study. But, you know, this idea that, uh, you know, people have fear of AI, of course, you know, copyrights, taking job, writers on strike right now for, for the movie industry so far. So everything is legit. Um, but I, I have this vision that AI is what you make of it. Right, it's a tool. So and, he, and he's reflecting our humanity. And, and I love when you said even the biggest expert can can be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. We're not going to be the last time. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so you know, what's been uh, the the reception uh, you know, from from the audience on this? Was it? I mean, I'm expecting when I saw, it was like, finally, I got to be <laughs> honest. You know, I'm not paid to make promotion for these, but I'm like, yeah. this is good. This is good because I don't want to hear what I don't look for. And it's great for advertising. Maybe we can touch on that. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, if you like this, then you like that. Amazon sponsor placement. That's how Google made all the money. But I feel like it should be welcome. So what's the feedback here? I know you got some really good investment. So I guess that's, that's the sign too. Uh, we were lucky enough to, to raise some money from a great group of investors recently. Um, 
I'd say first, we don't show any ads in the product and we want it to be, it's a subscription product and there'll be premium features behind paywalls. And we think that also is a way that we can help that last question you had of, we don't have conflicts of interest where we're wanting to prioritize results over other ones. Our only incentive is to get you good information and it should stay that way. Um, as far as audience reception, I'd say it's uh, it's been overwhelmingly positive, probably more than I even expected. Uh, you know, when you are the one helping build this thing and understand all of the ins and outs and all of the warts and all of the shortcomings of it, you get pretty self-conscious about that. Uh, and then you expect that everyone's going to come across those and have all these issues with it. And then you realize that that's just your like imposter syndrome kind of talking. And then when you actually get it out in the wild, um, how well it's been received has been just like truly humbling. Uh, we've grown incredibly quickly, really uh, all organically. So I think that's the best marker of good uh, audience perception is we have over 300,000 registered users. We've done that in about six months with $0 in marketing. Uh, and I think that speaks to the, the market readiness for a product like this, just like you're talking about. Like you see mm -hmm. all the, we'll see all the time of people tweeting about us and just saying like, where's this been all my life? Or I wish this came out when I was in school. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's clear people have thought about this problem. I know we're not the first ones to think about this problem. Uh, and I think that combined with it being just such a clear positive use case for this technology, like makes people when they see it, it just makes sense. Uh, and I think that's been a huge reason why we've grown so quickly. Doesn't I mean, there still haven't been critics. There still haven't been people oh. who say like, you're, you know, you're, you're stepping around processes that really need to be done manually. And this is going to create this issue here. So like there's, and there's, many of them are valid and they're things that we're trying to address and uh, make better, but it has been more positive than I think I could have ever expected. Well, I didn't it go back to what you were saying, you know, perfection or ideal is not made to ever be reached. I mean, it would be nice, but, you know, but you need to strive to it. That's for sure. sure. So I want to talk about this perception that so the, the Internet I've been around for way before the Internet. So, <laughs> But when when the Internet came out at a certain point, it became like if it's on the newspaper, it got to be true. If it's on the radio, the, the radio said that, the TV said that, then the internet said that. But the internet, it's it's not editorial content filtered. So in a way, for me, something like this, it's a, it's a way to to filter what what's going on. And may not be perfect, but you you know you have an editorial review in this case, Bay might made by an algorithm and, and AI, but, you know, still focus on, on that. So you get to the point where people should pay for this. So I go back and it's like, well, if you make me pay for it, I'm going to go to somebody that give me for free. Hmm. Then you got social media. I'm going to like, you know, condense <laughs> social media problem in a, not, in a sentence, which is, of course, if you're not the, uh, the customer you are, you're the product, right? So the fact that there is a paying model, subscription model, that the people are now accepting again, at least from what I see, you know, it, it doesn't have to be free because people are learning this, scrapping data, privacy, all of that. So uh, do you see, do you think this is the future of, of, the internet or the web 3.0, whatever it is, where, you know, you want a good service, you're going to good product. Yep. You got to pay for yeah. it. Yep. I, I, it's a great question. Uh, I, 
I don't, I would not say it's the future in the sense that it will be all encompassing, but I think it will be a significantly larger chunk of the tools that we use will be subscription based than what we're used to. Uh, and I think it will be because of two reasons. I think one, it's uh, exactly what you're saying. Like there is this much larger understanding that if you're not paying for it, there's likely some things that you're not too happy about going on behind the scenes. Like you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Uh, and people like really deeply understand that now to a level I don't think anybody could have realized that people were going to have this uh, giant understanding of that it was not true when all of these platforms were being launched decade, two decades ago. Uh, and then the other one is, is the technology itself, that it's getting to the point where it can be so good and can automate so many parts of different processes that people will be willing to pay for it, that it actually will produce that, that magic that gets people to pay for it. But I don't think it's right for every single use case. Like there still will be pure consumer facing tools that will figure out the right way to put in advertising alongside language model technology and search products. Like there's no doubt that will happen to some extent. How exactly they do it, I don't know. That's not my problem. Uh, we'll let Google <laughs> figure out how to do that with Bard or Microsoft figure out how to do that with Bing and integrate the two into a seamless way because they're probably just pushing that aside and saying, we'll worry about that later while they try to, while they arms race each other on the technology. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think for our sake, like it is, it's really important for the core product. Like it keeps our incentives aligned with the, with the user. And then we have the benefit that there's so many people using our product professionally and in, in school. And that gives us the ability for people to pay via that mechanism. So people to have their company expenses to the company or expenses to their university or have their university pay for licenses for everybody within the, uh, within the school. And what we want to put behind paywalls are those features that people who are really engaged users are using it for. So we are going to keep many, much of the search functionality free, where if you want to just pop in, see if that supplement you heard is legit or not, you can do that and just get a, a search, get the results back. But if you want to bookmark a bunch of papers or do a deeper analysis where you have a GPT-4 co-pilot alongside with you into a paper, like that will then be put behind a paywall. So Paywall things that people are using who are using the product in a really engaged way and getting tons and tons of value for, then it's, you know, it's a, it's a fair trade effectively, right? Like you're paying us because you're using this product so deeply and getting all this value out of it. Whereas then we can keep other parts of it free where it's just people popping in once or twice. And I think there's going to be so many products that do things similar to that. Uh, the best, my, I shouldn't say the best, my favorite a uh, search startup that is not in our space. The the my favorite generalist search product, we're like a vertical search. My favorite generalist search startup is Perplexity, Perplexity AI, and they're doing a cool thing where their search functionality is free, but then you can enable uh, this like co GPT four copilot alongside your search results that you can do all these cool things with, and then you have to pay for that. I think we're going to see lots of search engines and other products using LLMs do similar things where you have some parts of it free, but then you have these deeper integrations and different features uh, that will be subscription-based. Sorry, very long answer, but hope that's no, your that, question. It, oh, it's great. I mean, I I want long answer because then I, I, I want to ask you something. I'm like, uh, now just change my mind because you said something else. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you something else. So the, the, the last one that popped in my head uh, connected to what you said, and I love your perspective on this, is we're going from, because technology allowed it, to generalizing, uh, like 
I don't know. I'm going to go back. I'm going to date myself again. If people are old enough like me, they remember Alta Vista, they remember all this old search engine and they all that Yahoo and they all become a portal. So it's like we were born like a search engine, but then we're going to give you the email. We're going to give you the news. We're going to give you the music. We're going to give you whatever the hell you want, because we want you to come back here. We need those eyeballs. We need those clicks. That's how we get advertiser, blah, 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 blah. Then uh, Google came in and it's like, no, nope, we're just going to do search because, you know, found a way to make money out of it. So, <laughs> but it's a search about everything, right? It's almost like 42, the answer to, to everything in the universe and the meaning of life. And you guys are going much more like focus on yep. some specific things. So the question is for you. We reached the point that it just doesn't make sense to know everything about everything, but we need to be specialized in. And and this is not just for search engine. I'm I'm thinking yeah. in general, like the the Acme, the company that makes everything. I don't think it makes anything well. <laughs> uh, I definitely Coyote. It, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely agree with you to some extent. That was going to be part of my answer. That yeah, it's. Like our take on it is a generalist product that is trying to solve millions and billions of different types of problems for people will never be as good at uh, as us when we're ex we're focused on a specific subset of a type of question and topics. But that only, in our opinion, that only matters for certain domains and topics, and that's why we are excited about what we're working on because we think that science is one where that is the case where you really do need a specialized focus on it to actually address it properly. But I don't think that's the case for everything. And that's everything else that, you know, can be done with a generalist product and doesn't require this like immense focus and feet and specific purpose built features for let that be solved by generalist search. So like uh, an example is like, uh, like travel planning or something like, I don't think I'd really want to build a travel planning search engine co-pilot product right now. Like, that's probably just going to be figured out by whatever generalist search product AI product becomes the best or like a, a recipe builder. Like those are things that like can just be done with whatever wins the, the general consumer search, consumer search battle. But then there are other verticals where you really need to go deeper in order to do it well. And we believe that science and research is one of those verticals. Uh, so like we will always have the advantage of being able to build these special purpose workflow related features and ones that go deeper that like you just would never build if you're not focused on it. Sorry, people listening and the dogs, maybe the, the mic is picking that up. But again, I'm not going to edit this. So those are my dogs. Uh, so is there something that that is interesting to me, which is you there are certain vertical that works on your opinion better than other. Maybe somebody thinks, well, there is an opportunity somewhere else. And I'm happy to be wrong. And there's definitely things I'm not no, thinking. No, no, no. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't know what's going on to, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow, to be honest with you. But I'm wondering if, um, if, and this is putting our futuristic hat on, right? In the, in the future, which we're living already in it, AI, uh, generative um, AI, will be able to do this filter 
on his own? And that's a question mark. So like you, you have focused on this, but what if you yep. say, I'm imagining I go to ChatGPT4 and I say, you know, connected to Bing, which now you can do and say, all right, I'm interested in this vertical. Yep. I don't want to hear any other crap. <laughs> do you think it will be possible or, or not? And I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to yeah. what you're no, doing. This... It's just a legit question. Like, you know, what, what uh, to what extent AI could be able to do this on its own or not? I don't know. It's a, it's a fantastic question. And if you are not asking yourself that question, if you're building an AI startup right now, you, you're wrong. <laughs> you, you have to be asking yourself that question. And uh, the reality is nobody knows what, what the answer is. It's like basically to, to dumb down the question, it's just like, will generalist AI just solve every problem that startups traditionally have solved alongside big players? I think this should be a question on legitimately anybody who is working and building in the space right now. Mm -hmm. If the trend of any other technology is true, it won't be the case, but you can make the argument. This is a type of technology that we've never seen before. I still believe, I think two things. One, it is unclear uh, how much more progress there is to be had in the next few years. Like we don't really know the status of GPT-5. Sam Altman alluded to that uh, it might not even actually be training right now. So we might be years away from that. And, you know, there's a chance that it just is wider and does more things. It doesn't necessarily allow you to go that much deeper. We Nobody really knows exactly what the net net of that will be. There have been other technologies that have kind of hit ceilings for periods of time. And we may hit one with this. I don't know. Maybe we don't. But then the other thing I think is, so that's one case for why it wouldn't, that like in the next 10 years, we don't really progress it like that, that much further. And I think a lot of people in this space are interested in, instead of just making bigger and bigger and bigger, making smaller and specialized and right. more efficient and able to put on different devices and more production settings is like a lot of the focus in the space right now, which is yeah, making it more practical as opposed to blowing it up and having to solve every problem. So we might be further away from that than people... Uh, you know, especially a few months ago when hype was at its peak, might have believed. Again, still, if you also are not saying I'm willing to update my opinions always in the space, you're also wrong because everything changes all the time and giant breakthroughs happen all the time. Uh, the other piece that's an argument for why that wouldn't happen is I think people underestimate how much like we reset what is a baseline. And what I mean by that is the difference between something that is good and great, like it may seem like that difference isn't that much, but then when good becomes just your baseline, that now that relative difference is massive. And mm -hmm. I think that will always just keep happening with technology that even if generalist, like the, the example of a, a company, like a AI startup right now that by everyone's account is completely done away with because of generalist AI is like, uh, like copywriting tools. Like that was one of the first things we saw built right, gener yeah. generative mm -hmm. AI is, hey, write me a, a piece of marketing copy for my website. And then yeah, ChatGPT can just do that for you. But if they just get like a little bit better and like everyone's baseline is now ChatGPT, is that difference between now the baseline and theirs being 10% better? Does that now the difference, what used to be between zero and some percentage, right? Like I think people reset what is baseline more than you realize. And those small differences may become big relative differences. Uh, and I think that 
process will probably just keep happening. And yeah, I, I, I lean toward generalist not solving everything in the next few years because of those two reasons, but happy to be wrong. I, uh, I'm going to agree with you. You know, I mean, I, I am concerned for the mediocre is going to be swollen by that. That's know? exactly kind of my point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're, and I don't want to offend anyone, but you know, a mediocre artist may be worried. A mediocre writer could be worried. I have seen stuff that I would not use. I use it for ideas, but I usually don't just take whatever it gives me and yeah. just put it It commoditizes it mediocre work in general. Again, research, uh, ideas, creativity, whatever you want. But then uh, if you think that it's great, I think you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's okay, right? So... But yeah. what is and a, now, what, now our baseline becomes okay, and then the startups have to build to really, yeah. really great to make that relative difference enough for you to yeah, exactly. Just, we, it's almost like it pushes us to be better, it, it yeah. pushes us to make even better, more human, more creative. And things, it, will, but... it will push Jasper AI to make their marketing copy convert at X percentage that then makes it worth it to pay for versus what you get for free on your generalist search product. Like, I think that will probably just keep happening. Well, you know what? We're going to leave uh, all these uh, latest questions that we raise uh, for the audience to digest. And and as I always say, if we leave, uh, if we finish an episode and, and people leave us with more questions than when they started to listen to the show, I'm happy. You know, I want people to think. And if they think and now they, they actually play instead of just criticizing, because that's another thing. Many times they just criticize what's happening uh, you know there's always an early adopter and people that don't believe in it and then you know people that say hey I'm, i think now i can use it because somebody already tested it but um I, I was excited to learn about what you guys are doing and, and it gave us the opportunity of course to talk about a lot of different scenarios and past present and and future so eric thank you so much being part of the show and uh, i want to remind everybody that uh, they should share this uh, conversation subscribe to itsp magazine and in particular to my podcast redefining society and uh, and again uh, everything links to uh, consensus and uh, social media for eric to get in touch with him and co-founders and everybody working on this will be in the note that I can tell you it will be written by ChatGTP. I'm not afraid <laughs> of that. So I'll give yeah, you some for, input. When you, when you can give it a template and say, hey, I think it's perfect for that. But I know that we have this conversation, the two of us. I'm pretty sure we're real. So that's, that's good. Thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate yeah, it. it. It was really fun. Thank you so much, Travis. All right. Take care. Yeah. Devo unlocks the full value of machine data for the world's most instrumented enterprises. The Devo Data Analytics Platform addresses the explosion in volume of machine data and the crushing demands of algorithms and automation. Learn more at devo.com. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak 
provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Thank you.